0: morning say hallelujah Hallelujah. amen it's good seeing everybody this morning welcome to everyone who's watching by live feed or youtube however you may be joining in with us but praise god we are here this morning and it may like chris said it may not be bright and sunny outside but if you notice the words of the song said flooding my soul with the heavenly sunlight amen Amen. the sun s-o-n light of of god that's what really matters this morning so as we go into the service this morning there's no better way to go into any service than to ask god's blessing and prayer to be over it so let's do that together and let's lift our hearts unto the lord today father god i come before you this morning to thank you for this opportunity that we can again gather in this place and just welcome and praise you into, into your house father i just pray this morning that your name will be lifted, and that your name will be glorified and that we will be able to leave today, not saying we came to a building, but that we stood in the presence of the one who loves us the most. Father, I love you and I thank you and I praise you for who and what you are and ask your anointing to be on this service today. And if there's someone that does not know you, whether it be through a song that these guys sing or the word that we share, the scripture reading, whatever it may be, I pray that you will, will, will peek tweak somebody's heart this morning Lord that you'll just, just prick that heart and let them feel who you are and what you are and that that you are calling out to them and then that they in turn will choose to listen father I just pray if there's any lost here this day in the sound of my voice that they will heed your word and find you before it's too late Bless this time that we're together, together, Lord. Bless those that couldn't be here physically this morning, those that are uh, choosing to social distance. Praise God that they are turning into you. May you be, it is awesome, God, that you are Lord both here, there, and everywhere all at the same time. And we give you praise for it all. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And as we have been doing here lately, the, the we are not walking around shaking hands and hugging. However, you can do the little parade wave to everybody. Say good morning, church. Good morning, church. David's not here this morning. He does. He, he hurt. He's achy this morning. Couldn't get out. Therefore, he said he would be watching. So, good morning, church. To David. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Um, just a few announcements. As Chris pointed out you see that we have uh, cordoned off every other row. We have done that to adhere to the social distancing ideas. There are some spaces in between some but we also have piped it over to the fellowship hall. It's very good picture and sound uh, so that we can continue to sit people over there and acknowledge the uh, CDC's ideas as to what social distancing can do for us as well. So that's that's why it's cordoned off in such a fashion but we do have that next door open to you guys as well um the other only other things i'm going to present right now i think is that if you did not know on thursday nights david has been live feeding his uh bible study lesson and, and prayer meeting on the the prayer list and starting this evening i will do the same with our sunday night class so you can turn into the facebook live and we'll be going back to our ezekiel study uh until they allow us to, what time? It will be at six o'clock. Six o'clock Sunday evenings. Uh, so it'll be just like if we were here, except I'll be. T- and I'm not David. I tell David every Thursday night I am impressed. He has got that televangelist style. He he speaks to that TV real well. I'm used to having people in front of me, so I'm warning you right now. I'm not David, <laughs> but I'll speak to the screen the best I can. Anyway. Uh, And we'll have a Bible study one way or the other, and Sherry said that she's able to see questions if you type them in or whatever, and she can ask me those questions too, so I'm, uh, there's a lot of things I know about, but computers is not one of them. However, I'm surrounded by folks who do know, amen? Uh, So again, Sunday, this evening, 6 o'clock will be our Bible study, we'll be picking up in the book of Ezekiel, encourage you to come and tune in and be a part of that study as well. I think that's enough announcements. Uh, uh, Stormy is going to come and share the scripture reading with us this morning. Can okay, I pray with you, brother? Father God, I lift up my brother to you and just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just bless him from on high. And may we hear your words through him and through the scripture reading he shares with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
1: Amen. Thank you, brother. You know, I got up this morning for breakfast. I had me some cream gravy. Uh, It's just not the same when you ain't eating it over here made by Sherry. (laughs) Yeah, I I miss our breakfast. I miss uh, the fellowship of being in them. But I tell you something, I've been out doing yard work and stuff and backed into Prickly Pear's. And being here with you guys is a lot better. <laughs> I'm going to be reading today out of First Peter, the second chapter. I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. I'm going to read them out of uh, the real Bible, the King James Version. I know that some of you probably don't have one of them. Just read whatever version you happen to have. <clears throat> For so is the will of God. That with well doing, ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, and as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as a servant of God. I stand before you condemned. <laughs> Brother Stormy sometimes wants to, you know, I, 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 in fact, I deal better with maliciousness than I do ignorance. And sometimes when they go telling me, uh, what I have to do and what I don't have to do over something that I know is, or I feel is silly, I get a little upset. And when I read this scripture, I was, you know, because I was thinking, you know, I need to tell them. That's why I got off Facebook is Brother Stormy has a tendency to tell people what he's really thinking. And sometimes that's not the same thing that God is thinking. And uh so this is what God is thinking. He says to show them through our good works, through a good attitude, through a godly attitude what is right and and not to do try to do it with a, the way that I sometimes try to do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us in it and shows us how we can be more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.
2: Amen.
0: Hallelujah. Isn't it great? Give God the glory for these folks coming and practicing to lead us. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I know I'm going to look like a school marm up here with my glasses down the tip of my nose, but I broke my real glasses. And and, and I've gotten almost used to just wearing these, and that's getting scary in and of itself. You kind of (laughs) like... Anyway, guys, as we if you have your Bibles this morning, you can be turning to the book of Ecclesiastes. I had a conversation with a young lady, young soon-to-be mother, this past week. And as I was talking to this young lady, God just kind of brought things together in my mind. And as I was speaking with her and she was sharing her heart with me, it reminded me of the scripture, the proverb, where where iron sharpens iron. And that God can speak through someone no matter their age. And she was speaking directly to me. And I, and I got to thinking about what she said. And, and things just started clicking in my head. And God allowed me this message to share with you this morning. History oftentimes revolves around just the smallest of events. But God will use those small events to cause big things to happen. A little uh, northwest, about 200 miles Northwest of Jerusalem, out in the Mediterranean Sea, there's a small island called Cyprus. On that island was a was a very unassuming Jew walking the island, and, and just a an everyday kind of guy named Joseph. Well, Joseph at some point came to know came to know Jesus Christ. He put his faith in Jesus. Now we don't know exactly where or how he came to know Jesus. Uh, I I tend to think he was probably in Jerusalem at Passover and heard Peter maybe come out on the balcony and we know 3,000 plus were saved that day. Uh, I I think he might have been in there. We don't know where he came to know Jesus but the fact that he came to know Jesus is beyond question because when he went back his entire life changed. The circumstances around his life changed. He took the message of the Messiah back home And allowed it to change everything about him. And what he did, he took that newfound faith and Joseph took his property and everything he had. He sold everything he had and he brought it all and put it into the benevolent fund of the church there in Jerusalem. And he presented himself at that point to the church and said, I am selling out to Christ. I'm giving everything unto the Lord. Well, following the custom, the church at the time brings him in. They listen to his testimony. They see the the spirit of God moving in his life and, and and what he's done and what he said and they changed his name and they changed his name from Joseph to the son of encouragement which is Barnabas and Barnabas though he was a very unassuming Jew and some would say he's a minor character in scripture would go on and I would say without Barnabas the church would be a completely different place today Because the future of the church and the mission of Jesus Christ was brought to fruition much because of who Barnabas was. Because you see Barnabas then came to the aid of Saul. Now Saul was a persecutor. He persecuted the church. He, he would have been the center of sinners, if you will. He, he was doing everything he could to persecute anyone who called on the name of Jesus. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, as he called himself. And Paul was, was out there to destroy the church till he had this Damascus Road experience. Well, Barnabas comes into the picture and starts mentoring. Now, there's a whole lot in there. If you'd been in our Bible study in the book of Acts, you would see that I'm, I'm skipping a whole lot of things, but Barnabas comes in to help administer, help Uh, uh, help mentor Paul at this point and Barnabas knows the people the church they're scared to death of Paul but I have to wonder what would have happened to the church if Saul who then became Paul had not been able to step up because you see Barnabas brought Paul to the leaders of the church of Jerusalem. He spoke for him. He, he, he mentored him. He trained him up. And then he brings him to the church. The church in their mind. Paul is public enemy number one. They don't want anything to do with him. But they know Barnabas. And they know Barnabas' heart. And if Barnabas, Barnabas is going to speak for Paul. Then we better listen. Because they know Barnabas is going to be led by the spirit. And they open their ears and they listen. And Barnabas brings Saul and, and lays it out there before the apostles, defending him, defending his conversion, explaining who he is. And the church accepts him. And the influence doesn't stop there. When you look at Barnabas' life, he traveled with Paul thereafter. As Paul went around starting churches and sharing the gospel, he continued to go with Paul. And eventually, it's again, if you had been in our Acts Bible study, you would know this. He promoted Paul. It was starting out, as you read through the book of Acts, it's Barnabas and Paul. After a while, you started seeing Paul and Barnabas. And then a little bit later, you see Paul and the others. Why? Because Paul became As most of us know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest evangelists the church has ever had. One of the greatest theologians the church has ever had. One of the greatest church planners the church has ever had. And Paul was able to do this and change the history of the church. And I say one of the big reasons is because God, through the body, through the bones, flesh, and blood of Barnabas, was able to reach in, mold Paul, take him before the church, and the church accepted him at that point. Barnabas poured his life into him. And Paul, that influence that, Paul, that Barnabas had on Paul, Paul then took and poured into others. Where would we be without Paul? Who are the people that have made your life? You see, I think all of us, if I was to ask you, who is it that has influenced you in your life today? We would have a list. We'd probably say our parents and we, we'd name these or that. But folks, our lives are littered with other people who have had influence on us, both good and bad. And I would even submit to you that you have been an influence on others, at times good and at times bad. But that is why it's so incredibly important that we understand this morning that God has given this, uh, this, uh, us this ability to influence, to reach in and pour into others. We have been called to mentor other people we are called to influence other people as I said well will go as iron sharpens iron a brother can sharpen a brother we are called to reach into the lives of each one we are called to minister one to another the great commission says go ye therefore he wasn't talking just to the pastors he wasn't talking just to the deacons and we have made that verse only being about sharing the gospel but you know as I was thinking about it He has asked every one of us to share our life, our testimony. And that doesn't mean a one-time thing. We've gotten so involved in inviting people to Sunday school and reading their Bible. And that's great. But we forget and miss the most major aspect of that. And I think it's showing itself predominantly now that the church is being sequestered so tightly in this time in in America that, that we haven't been living for others to see Christ in our lives every other day. We're doing it on Sundays. And maybe midweek service, but you know, we should be actively finding some person. And I'm saying actively by being truly being intentional with finding an individual and pouring our lives into them every day of the week, so that when we're not there, they have been strengthened on knowing this is what I'm supposed to do now. I praise God. You know, last week I shared with you, as we did the Lord's Supper," that there's a book I normally use, a pastor's journal that was given to me by who I call my mentor, Brother Jesse Leonard. And I still, after all these years, I still praise God that he chose to intentionally focus on me so many years ago and pour his life into me. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. He was not a perfect man. I remember talking to him one time and, 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 and he was a big man. But it, but it was talking to Brother Jesse one time and he was talking about the war And he said, you know, Brother Frank, I will never apologize for being a good Marine. But now I am a good Marine in the service of God. I have done some things in my life that the world may not like. However, my God knows who I am and I serve him. And he poured those kinds of things into me. And folks, that's the way it's been since the very beginning. We as a people... God has called us to pour ourselves into others. People have always done it. Whether we know it or not, we are pouring things into other people. Most likely unintentionally. And that's why we should capture that process and start intentionally doing it. People have been influencing others uh, forever. We do that in our jobs today. We we have on-the-job training or we have apprenticeship, journeyman-type opportunities where we pass on our knowledge what I'm trying to share with you this morning, guys, is that word mentoring comes with it. A lot of people put a whole lot of gravitas to it that, oh, that, that that's a pastor's job. That's a deacon's job. That, that's a specific individual. But when I look at scripture, guys, the faith has been passed on from one generation to the next generation to the next generation by everyday people living out what God has called them to live out. That means good and bad. The faith has been passed on. When somebody does something bad, you don't say, oh, well, they're, they're just, they, they can't do anything. No, in the same turn, people should see them get on their knees and ask forgiveness and say, see, I'm not having to wear a cape with a big C that says I'm super christian i am a normal human being trying to live out the life to the best of my ability for christ in a world that's choosing is trying to keep me from doing so and the world needs to see that that's who we are that we don't sequester ourselves on a sunday morning and and eat our power pills or something no we're just people With ups and downs. And we need to start pouring into people. Not just what they see on Sunday. But every day this is who I am. And you know what's really great. Is the more you are pouring into that specific individual. The more you're going to try to be pouring yourself into God. Because you're going to want to be the good influence. For the person you've chosen to pour into. And before you know it. The mentor and the mentee. Have become accountability brothers or sisters. And they are going to grow together. In Christ. God designed us. To influence one another and to shape one another, to be able to learn to, to stand on His Word and not just exist. He's, he's designed us, we're going to make mistakes. He says that we're going to have problems. But He says also, don't allow that anger to the sun to set on that anger. Make sure you get your heart cleared. His strategy, I believe scripturally, for us to learn isn't so much, you know, we really press Bible studies and reading our Bible, and that's important. But I think he's really told us that we are to learn from each other, to learn from our life examples, the things that we've had to deal with. When you look at the scripture, you got Naomi and Ruth and Elijah and Elisha, and you got uh, Moses and Joshua or the New Testament, you got Jesus and the apostles, you got Paul and, and, and Barnabas, and Barnabas mentored Mark as well. And, and you know that Paul went on to mentor Timothy and, and how many others as he went through the church, and we can read about the, the church in Ephesus and how many he led and Mentored there in Ephesus. Each one of these people were mentoring others, purposely pouring their lives out, transparently pouring their lives out to be seen. What I'm seeing today, guys, I feel is a, there is a huge dearth of mentoring in our faith today. That's why so many people, uh, so many families are falling apart right now with, when, in this time of trial. Because they're used to going on Sundays and, 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 and they have that, that, that be able to go into a Sunday school and talk to somebody on Sunday. But now that they're having trouble doing that and there's no one there during the week, there's no one that's been pouring into them during the week, they don't know how to function and everything's falling apart. When in reality, we should have been growing with each other one to another every day. You know, there's a youth pastor named Chris Freeman. And he tells the story how he, went up, he and his wife went up into the mountains for vacation and they got this little cabin up there and they're thinking everything's going to be all alone and everything's great. And all of a sudden, one morning, knock, knock, knock on their door. And he opens the door and there's two little elderly ladies standing there. And he, he's talking to these little elderly ladies and in his mind, he's just wanting to end the conversation. He's thinking, I just want to go back to my vacation. You know, I, I, I came up here to get away. And, and he's talking and he realizes after a little while, they're Jehovah's Witnesses and, and they're just trying to share. And he's just trying to figure out a nice way of ending this conversation But then one of them asked him a question that just got his attention and his ears perked up. They said, in your opinion, what is the biggest problem facing young people today? And he said, he thought for a moment, he looked and he said, you know, the biggest problem facing young people today is there aren't enough people from other generations ahead of them pouring themselves into their lives and investing themselves into our young people. Well, the lady was taken aback. She was dumbfounded. That wasn't the answer she expected. And, and she looked at him and said, you know, I expect you to say something about drugs or, or alcohol or sexual promiscuity or something like that. And he said, no, I don't believe those are the problems. Those are the symptoms of a much deeper problem that people are not showing the young people how to live today. And I would submit to you this morning that it's not about age, Yes, that story was about age, but I'm saying that when we as spiritual, as as we have walked with Christ, I don't care what their physical age is, their spiritual age, we should be pouring back into the lives of those coming behind us. I don't care what their age is. We should be living and mentoring people and pouring into people what God has done for us. What our example is. What, how the highs and the lows. When I really messed up and how God brought me through. And when I was on the mountaintop and how God had to calm me back down. The more people see that we're human and that we have real emotions. And that, that we work every day to strive to be what God has called us to be. When we have that one specific individual that we pick out. And truly try to divulge everything God has given us into them. When we open and, and share our lives with others. They're going to learn that I can do this as well. That's all mentoring is, guys. It's not some kind of special formula. Paul said it real well when he said that we loved you so much that while we were here, we were delighted not only to share the gospel, but to give you our lives because you're so dear to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What Paul was saying was, we chose to live out our day to day life, letting you see our ugly and our good, seeing our high and our low, because we loved you enough to make sure you knew that it's not about this facade. It's not about acting like a Christian. I want you to know that you can be a Christian, because if I can be, you can be, because I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but we serve a perfect God. That's where we should be, guys. We should be mentoring others. God's plan for teaching others was not just about a book. It was not just about a computer screen. It was about truly finding individuals and pouring your life into them and letting them see who and what you are in Christ and letting them know you can do this too. It's not about the book. It's not about a screen. It's not about this building. It's you and I that God will use to train up the next generation of Christians. And I don't mean youth. I'm saying the ones that are coming behind us. If somebody a hundred years old accepts Christ today, somebody should be going up and pouring their life into them. Discipling them. We are the curriculum. You and I, we are the curriculum that God uses to teach others how to follow Jesus. And he expects us to step up and do it. He expects us to get out there and share our testimony. I thank God that a big, and when I say big, he was a big man, but that six foot six, 72 year seventy-two-year-old Marine who could outwork most young men took it upon himself not to be afraid to pour into an arrogant, cocky mouthy young man. Because there was a lot of people who were afraid of me. And I just got used to that. I didn't care. I was going, I went back to church and my heart was right, and I, I knew I was supposed to be in church. But I also knew I'm not a nice guy. These people, they're nice people. They, I, I'm doing them a disservice by walking into their building. That's the way I felt. You see, folks, you may think that, that you are not cut out to be a mentor. You may think, well, who am I? How could I mentor somebody? And there were people who would have looked at Brother Jesse and probably said, how in the world can he spiritually mentor somebody? He's big. He's loud, he's brash, he he had a voice that just carried, his hands were make two of mine. I mean he was just a big man. It'd be easy to be intimidated by him. But I needed a man like that. I needed somebody that I knew could just reach over and palm my head and turn me back around. I needed that individual that had those attributes to get my attention. And folks, I would share with you this morning, there are people who need you and your testimony as well. We are all different, but God is an incredible choreographer that brings people into our sphere of influence. And whomever it is that he's brought into your sphere of influence, he's telling you, now pick this one. Choose, be, 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 be look observant to those around you because I've put this person in your life because you are the one that can reach into them does not matter if you think you can do it or not. God said, I will use it all for his good if you love him and are called according to his purpose. He will use you to, to, to change the lives of others if you allow him to do so. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. Ecclesiastes four, verse nine. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either fails, excuse me, for if either falls or fails, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. When we start mentoring another, when we start pouring our life into another person, and start pouring who Christ and what Christ is for us into someone else. Pretty soon, that relation gets strong enough to where the mentee is also helping the mentor. We learn best sometimes by trying to teach others, and God will use that mentee and his experiences or her experiences to touch your life as well and to mold you and to get you to focus more on where you 're falling short as well. The benefits of mentoring is twofold: Why should I do this because a mentoring relationship provides a model not just for them to live by but makes you look at the model of scripture for you to live by even closer and little by little the two of you are seeing how a godly life is lived out and it becomes an invaluable benefit for both of you when you truly intentionally choose to mentor someone else it promotes a spiritual growth in both people because if I am cho- have chosen intentionally to try to pour out my life into this individual, I'm going to try the best I can to walk the life I'm supposed to walk so they have something to look to. And when I stumble and I fall, they're going to pick me up. You know how? Because I know they need to see that I'm human and I'm going to get on my knees in front of them and we're going to pray and ask for forgiveness. And together the two will grow more and more. And you'll grow together in the image of Christ and and into the the value that he has for you in the kingdom of God. And each step of the way, each one of you are growing more and more. But that one that you're mentoring is gleaming, gleaning even more. And pretty soon you can separate and you're going to go two separate ways. And you know what's going to happen? You'll find another person and guess what they're going to do? They're going to remember the example that you set In their lives, it's going to provide an accountability. Just as they have poured into mine, I need to pour into somebody else. You know, when Brother Jesse poured his life into mine, when we would when we would hang out together up at the church, or we would work together up at the church, I saw more than just the spirit of God there. And and, you know, oftentimes I would work up there at the church with him, thinking I need to help the old guy out at the church. And I look back after years, and I was thinking. He could have done it. He made those excuses so that I would be there with him at the church. He would crawl under the, 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 the buildings, or he would do this, or we'd go in the back and we were building a baseball field for a, a diamond in the back, back there behind the church. And I'd work and I'd work, and I'm thinking, why am I working so hard when I don't? I'm not even getting paid for this. But I wanted to be with Brother Jesse. And he knew that he was pouring his life into me. And what I saw. Was more than just spirit, I saw by listening with him and working with him, and guys, this may sound bad. I hope this don't sound bad, but working with that man, that's who God intended me to be with, and to him the mentor to me, because I saw in my mind, only soft guys were Christians. You know, real men have to get out and fight. Real men have to do this, real men have to do that I had this arrogant machismo about me, I guess. But I saw working with Brother Jesse and watching his life and watching how this big Marine could also turn around and act with grace and hold the hand of a child. I saw how he he poured himself into other people. I saw so much from this big Marine. And I realized that there's more to this Christian life, that Christianity actually is hard work. That it takes a real man to be the Christian that God's called you to be. And he was able to impart all that to me because he chose to impart that stuff to me. And God used him to pull me into a place to listen to him. And step by step. What if, what if Brother Jesse had not shown up? Because here's the, the honest truth to you this morning, guys. I was this close to walking away from the church. I tried. I wanted to do what was right. I told Sherry and the kids we're going to go to church. I tried. I really tried. And I was like, I'm just, this just isn't me. I'm, I'm too honry. I'm too mean. My mouth's too foul. I got all these things about me. These nice people don't need me in their room." And I was about to walk away from the church. Now I was saying things, oh, I'll find another church. But I would not have. And praise God, the pastor from First Baptist Church Magnolia asked Sherry and I, hey, hang in here. I got somebody I want you to meet. We're, we're, we're bringing this pastor out here to this little church, this, li- this little mission church. I want you to, to, to listen to what he has to say. And it was Brother Jesse. And I hung in there just to see. And when he walked in the room, I was like, what in the world? What is a mountain of a man like that coming in here like like thinking he's a preacher? He can't be a preacher. I can see that. That's a real man right there. See, at at the time, I had this skewed idea of what a preacher was. You had to fit this mold. You had to dress this way. You had to walk a specific way. You had to talk. You had to be holier than thou. And he walked in as a Marine would walk in. Talked like a Marine would talk. Well, within reason. <laughs> yeah, let me clarify that. <laughs> but you, I, I, he grabbed my attention almost immediate, immediately. And guys, I shared with him. At one point, I said, how are you doing this? I, I feel like I can't be here. How are you and where are you changed how's this worked in your life and he said you know frank i'll never forget it he said you're worried about what they think rather than what god thinks and they have no say over who you are my god has say over who you are and i i I bowed up i said i don't care what anybody thinks he said that's not true why do you feel as though you can't go in there well i make them people uncomfortable who cares if they're uncomfortable if you're doing what god's telling you to do Well, I I don't really fit in. Who cares if you don't fit in, if you're doing what God's telling you to do. And everything I could throw at him, why I wouldn't go in there? He just stood there with that big face and he just, yeah, so? What'd God tell you? And I realized it wasn't about what they think, it's about what God thinks. And as long as I focus on God more than they, I will be what God has called me to be. And immediately that bond was started. And immediately I've come to realize that that mentoring that he was giving me right there, he was telling me that he had called me, that God had called some to be a soldier for Christ. Some are musicians, some are this, and some are that. But some, he says, have been given that, that life and that testimony to stand up and fight and be the soldier that he trained you to be in the real world. Now you're going to do it in the spiritual world. And as he spoke these words, I realized later on in life he was actually encouraging and cheerleading. He was purposely pouring into me what he knew I needed to know because somebody, and he gave me his Bible, an old Bible from, that had when it was given to him in 1954. And he wrote underneath it basically the same thing, but in other words, what they wrote to him. You think you're mean and you're tough, but this is what God has for you. And he signed it, Love Never Fails. Which is why you see me sign everything, Love Never Fails. All these years later. Because I realized God provided him in my life to be what needed to be in flesh and blood to show me that God was real. And he can do the same for you. He is asking each one of us to be that mentor. That doesn't mean that we have to be super theological. It means that we are truly on fire for the Lord and we just want to tell others. We want to pour into the dreams and the goals and the aspirations of others. We want to help others a- a- attain what it is that God has called them to do. Each one of us has been called to be a mentor. And we should purposely single that person out. It doesn't focus on, on, on what I have to impart as much as it is who we are with God. I just want to share my walk There's this myth that we have to have all this profound wisdom. You have to be uh, an expert in every area that a mentee needs. No. What people need to see are real Christians walking the life around them. And some people, all people actually, need some one of those real Christians to just purposely point it at them. We're a guide. As a mentor, you're just a guide. In other words, if I was to take you somewhere I've been before, I'm going to try to, to point out the, the dangers that I have found. I'm going to share helpful information. I'm going to share with you what, what, how to walk here and how to walk there. What we are as mentors is we should just be guiding people. This is what's happened in my life. This is when I was really doing things well, what God did. And this is when I was really doing things bad, this is what God did. This is what the scripture says here and this is what the scripture says. Let me just help guide you. You see, being a mentor just means it's trying to live for Christ and openly, transparently pouring that into someone else. And every one of us has been given that opportunity. Go ye therefore and make disciples. We forget that it says that before and baptize in the name of the Father. How do you make disciples? Showing them how to live for Christ. Every one of us has been given that that ability. When Moses was working with Joshua, and you can look at all the life, there's so many scriptures where Moses was mentoring Joshua. But when it came down to the end, he he finally affirmed his mentee. He commissioned him. He said, Joshua, you have learned, you've you've, you've struggled, and you've seen God work with me, you've seen God work with you, and now I, I put you out in front of everyone. And there was a public recognition of Joshua because he realized, Moses realized, this young man is now ready to go and mentor somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm kind of talking a lot about Brother Jesse this morning, but I still remember many years later. I moved to South Texas. He's back off there. I hadn't seen him in years I've been a youth pastor. I've worked in the church. Some of you guys knew me in Lavernia. I'd been chairman of the deacons. I wore a hat. I'd done just about everything. I'd seen more church politics than I ever cared to see and swore that would never come up in a church I would be at. And I had wore all these hats, but it came down to the day to get ordained as a Baptist minister. Well, the ordination service was right here in Sutherland Springs in the little church up front. It was in what is... uh, uh, turned into the nursery. It was in that little bitty room. Well, I knew the scripture fairly well and I had been mentored by Brother Jesse. I'd, I had worked through the church. I'd seen so much. I had all this knowledge. But I was still very apprehensive because when you go to be ordained, you go into this ordination board, basically. It's a lot of pastors, most of which you don't know or I didn't know. And I also had dealt with people enough to know that oftentimes there's people who like to try to show how smart they are by showing how ignorant you are. And I go into this meeting. Well, I go into the room, and I hadn't seen him in years, but I saw this mountain of a man sitting in the back of the room. And he had this white, thick, even at that age, this thick, fluffy hair. I knew who it was before he even turned around. I thought, how did he even know? What's he doing here? And it did my heart good to see. Well, we go into the ordination process, and sure enough, there's one of these guys there. I don't know his name. Hadn't seen him since. But he was one of those that was uh, wanting to show how smart he was. And he, went, he kept asking me a question that I had the answers right. I knew the biblical answer, but I didn't know the right Christian knees. I didn't know the word he was looking for. And I was starting to, to stutter and stammer. And, I was, and, and, and I'll never forget that Brother Jesse stood up in that little bitty room. And when a man that size stands up in a little room... Makes it look twice as big as he already is. And he walked over to that pastor and he asked him something. I can't remember what he asked. But he said, when you can answer my question, he'll answer yours. And I just was like, wow. And I, I, I was flabbergasted. And, but that's what it took. Because as soon as I, he said that, all the, the, the discombobulation, all that nervousness was gone. And I knew the answer. I knew the word he wanted even. And I spit it out and everything was great. And I share that for this reason. Why? Because that mentor from all those years earlier still was someone that I looked up to that when he was in that place and I was struggling, God was reminding me that he doesn't have to be with me. I don't have to see God physically, but he's still always there. Because when I looked at Brother Jesse, all of a sudden there was flesh and blood and skin on God in my life and I knew then I do know this answer and I do know who God is and it's not about they that's in this little room right now it's about am I doing what God's called me to do it doesn't matter if you ordain me or not I will walk out of here what God has called me to be and when I had that clarity all of a sudden all the answers were there the words were there everything came back and guys that's why it's so important That we take on the responsibility of being that mentor. Because there are people out there today that that struggle. They can't see God. And they're in a position where their life is falling apart. Life is going crazy all around them. And they can't see God. They need that individual. That when they walk in the room they see flesh and blood. Now I'm not saying you're God. But I will say that day in that Sutherland Springs room. That God was in Brother Jesse. And reminded me he's in me as well. And God, the people will see God in you. Sometimes we need that flesh and blood touch. We need to be able to tell that you and I are not alone. We need those mentors. Brother Jesse's gone on to be with the Lord. I talked to his daughter periodically. She is actually the church secretary, First Baptist Church, Kerrville. And I, I... I talk to her sometimes and after the shooting, especially. But in the midst of this as well, and we talk about what Brother Jesse would say. I even texted her this morning. I said, You know, I think God's telling me to talk about Brother Jesse today. And she said, Well, you know, he's looking down at, at you right now, too. And even after he's gone, I still remember this mouthy, feisty person that he chose to pour himself into and chose. Now, God's the one who does it. But we have to be specific and intentional and decisive about doing what God's called us to do. And I still thank God that Brother Jesse listened that day and he didn't give up. Because here's the thing, guys. When you choose that person, rarely are they going to be receptive at first. Nobody's going to come and just ask you to pour themselves into you, pour, pour yourself into them. And I still remember a couple times he shook my hand, and I very arrogant, I don't, I'm good. I don't need you. I'm all right. And he didn't give up. And I would share with you that I would have probably lost my family, my kids, and everything on the lifestyle that I was headed, that I was on. But he chose to pour himself into me, and I chose to listen. And God was glorified through that. You and I have been called to be mentors. For two, one will struggle where two can pick the other up when they fall. I pray this morning. That each one of us will choose to... It's great that we invite people to come to Sunday school when they allow us to do such again. It's great that we tell people to read their Bibles. It's great that we have functions now and then and we come together as a family. Do not forsake yourself, the assembling one with another. But guys, I would submit to you that when he said, Go ye therefore and make disciples he are speaking to each one of us find your one find that one that i'm telling you to pour yourself into but i'm not perfect nope you sure are not and that's why you're both going to grow together and then you're going to get to a point that, that brother jesse went on to be with the lord that didn't mean i stopped i look every day lord what would you have me to do where would you have me to go who would you have me to speak to? What can I pour out? I've been told in my, my ministry that sometimes I'm too transparent, that I let too many things show. Guys, you know why? Because Brother Jesse taught me, let others see who you are really and they'll really see God. And that's what we need to be. Let's find somebody to pour our lives into. Now you have nothing spiritually to pour if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior first and foremost you have to know Jesus if you don't let me share with you that he said whomsoever doesn't matter how long you've been in church whomsoever truly sells out to him Joseph went home and he sold everything to come back to the church and show that I'm ready I've sold out to Jesus and they said son of encouragement Barnabas and he changed the world. If you're here this morning. You don't know Jesus. He lifts his, He is putting forth his hand. Out onto you today. He's saying that the wages of sin is death. And all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. However. If you will believe that I am the son of God. And I died but rose again three days later. And you profess that before men. So shall I profess you before God. The Father. Wherever you are this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ in that intimate relationship, he's extending his hand out to you. If you do know him, then I want to encourage you right now. Maybe God's already brought that one person to mind. Will you find that one and start pouring your life into them? They may not be receptive at first, but be intentional be aware that God's put people in your path and it may not be that one maybe he's got someone else that you're supposed to be pouring into but I have a feeling that every one of us in this room has somebody that we can show Christ in our lives and I've noticed when we go to teach a Sunday school class or something the more we have to teach it the more we'll study and learn it the more we pour our lives into others the more we're going to want to make sure we're pouring Christ's life into them. Who and where are you this morning? And who and where is your one? And I pray that we will find them. And guys, this isn't about age. I'm not telling you to go out and find a teenager. I'm saying let's find that person that's struggling and let them know that we struggle too. Let's go out and find that one who... Maybe he's in that pharisaical mode that I went through and we need to let him know I was there once too and it's going to cost you, brother. Maybe we just need to get out there and say, God still lives. And let him see flesh and blood on Jesus. Where are you this morning? I'm going to ask us to stand. I want to lead us in a word. This altar will be open. I'll pray with you at this altar. You can pray right where you're at you can get on your knees the great thing is God is God everywhere and maybe this morning you need to pray Lord who is that one that I need to mentor who is that one I need to take under my wing and guys don't pick don't try to pick somebody you think needs it because oftentimes that's the one needs to be mentoring to you open your heart God who is it you would have me to go to I still think back to Brother Jesse. Out of all the people in the church, I'd never seen somebody like him. I have now. But there was a man who didn't care what people thought. There was a man that was a man's man. There was a man who was a retired Marine. There was a man who, he had been personal bodyguard to Harry Truman on the freedom Train. He was a man that I knew was a man's man. But in an instant, he'd tell you that God's bigger, better, and more powerful. I needed him. And somebody needs to know God through you. Will you pray for that person to show themselves in your life? Father God, I just come before you this morning and thank you that we can come before you and know that you are God. God. Lord of lords, king of kings. And just as you put Brother Jesse in my life, just as you spoke truth through a young, soon-to-be mother this week to me, as you continue to put people in our lives that changes who we are and reminds us of who you are, help us to be that person. Help us to, to figure out how and where and who it is that we're to pour our lives into someone so that they can walk closer to you. Give us wisdom how to do it, what to say, when to say it. I know that Brother Jesse stands in your presence. And Father, I would say on a personal note for me, just let him know that I still remember. And I remember that we all need to do the same. Help us to make that commitment. If there is someone here today that does not know you, may you tweak their heart. Speak to them in a fashion that they realize and recognize they need your grace. Help them to step out into your victory, into who and what you are before it's too late. Lord I see the birthing pains all around me it seems we don't don't know the day or the hour but we know that you will return may decisions be made before it's too late Father may thy will be done in the hearts of your people it's in Jesus name we pray Amen as we sing this morning if God's speaking to you will you listen you can come to this altar you can pray right where you're at Let's not leave out of here today. If God's telling you to make a commitment of whatever sort. And and let me say this. If God's telling you to walk this aisle and accept Christ. And you're saying, what will they think? Because I've been in church my whole life. I'll say, just like Brother Jesse, who cares what they think? What does God say? That's what matters. That's what matters. As we sing Chris.
2: oh my is come
0: all you need this morning if you believe that say amen amen Amen. he is all we need and guys I pray that when we leave out of here today Satan's doing everything he can to, to either upset us or or make us distraught if he can come in and divide and conquer the church if he can come in and make Christians feel like that it's all a mute point if he can come in and turn Christian upon Christian He will. And it's at those moments in our lives that we need to do like Brother Stormy shared in the scripture reading earlier. And as we just sang, Jesus is all I need to do everything back in good. To speak with the fruits of the Spirit. Even when people are persecuting, stop, step back, and remember. Just as they've done unto me, so shall they do unto you. And more. Blessed are those who are persecuted in my sake. May you be blessed. I pray we have a wonderful week. Guys, keep looking up. And I do truly, I hope this sermon this morning doesn't just fall on deaf ears. I want you truly to go home and pray, Lord. And you may already have that one. I hope you do. But if not, god who is that one who is that one in jesus name brother will you close us in prayer this morning
2: That she for. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother.